I am debtor both to the Greeks, that is to the Gentiles, and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, unto deliverance, to every one that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, in this gospel, is revealed the righteousness of God from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Dr. John G. Mitchell often asked a question that is still inscribed on the library wall on the campus of Multnomah University. He asked it of every class and challenged every student with it. Don't you folks ever read your Bibles? It is quite evident that he did. Dr. Mitchell once forgot his Bible in his office when he arrived to teach a graduate-level class on the Minor Prophets. Without a pause, he quoted the scripture for the day word for word from memory. Dr. Mitchell knew his Bible. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. The Unchanging Word broadcast continues in Romans chapter 1, verse 17 today, and we thank you for joining us here. Dr. Mitchell will be discussing the theme of the book of Romans, which is the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God spans the length and breadth of time and history, and Dr. Mitchell reviews a few of the men of God in the Bible who were confronted with this God who is righteous. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, was righteous, and when some men met Jesus, they realized how unrighteous they were, and why? Because Jesus was absolutely righteous in all he ever said and did. And God said of him, This is my beloved Son, my chosen one, in whom I am well pleased. So the question is asked, Are you and I pleased with him, with whom God is well pleased with? If so, do you believe in Jesus Christ, God's Son? For without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if you do, God is also very well pleased with you as well. Now that is good news. So let's open our Bibles now to Romans chapter 1, verse 17, where the just by faith will live. Here is Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Again, it is our great joy to come to you in this marvelous epistle of Paul to the Romans. You remember, Paul had never seen these Roman Christians, but my, how he longed for them, how he prayed for them, how he longed to see them face to face for the purpose that he might impart to them some spiritual gift. 
To the end, they might be established, they might be built up in Christ, they might be comforted and edified. And then his great heart yearning that others in Rome might accept the Savior. You know, I wish today those of us who are Christian workers might have that same passion, great yearning for the building up of God's people, to have fellowship with God's people, whoever they are, and wherever they are, and then to have a great yearning to bring others into the fellowship of winning precious souls to Jesus Christ. And, and we've got a tremendous responsibility there. And so we've been dealing with that with the Apostle Paul when we talked about his responsibility. Uh, he owed the gospel. And as much as Anim was, he was going to preach the gospel to those at Rome. He was always ready to do this. Then he was not ashamed of this good news from God because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, whether Jew or Gentile. And in our last lesson, we were discussing the 16th verse. The gospel, the good news from God to men, is the only message on God's earth that can deliver people from sin, from the guilt of sin, from the penalty of sin. And as we yield ourselves to him from the very power of sin, it's the only message that guarantees life eternal. Did you ever think of it? Where else can you find eternal life? As you read the Gospels in our Lord's day, and by the way, right down to the present time, men want to live forever. Death is man's last enemy. Nobody is in love with death. Our Christian may want to go home to glory, but he's not in love with death. He's in love with a Savior. But if I haven't taken Christ as my Savior, then I'm still dead in trespasses and sins without hope and without Christ and without God in the world. And the gospel, the blessed good news from God, is to you, my friend, I don't care what your condition is. I don't care what your past is. I don't care how frail, how sinful you may be. God's got good news for you. Christ Jesus came into the world for the express purpose of putting away your sin and my sin, to deliver you from the penalty of sin, which is death, and to grant to you eternal life. And beyond that, yes, to make you a child of the living God and to make you so before himself that he will delight in your fellowship and you and I will delight in his fellowship. So we have the gospel of Jesus Christ as the power of God to salvation to everyone that believeth. And let me repeat, does two things. The moment you accept the Savior, your sin question is settled, and eternal life is your portion. But remember, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ means you must put your personal trust in him. No longer putting your trust in yourself but you're putting your trust in him. Now, this leads me to the 17th verse. Now, we find in this 17th verse of Romans chapter 1 that the gospel is not only a revelation of the power of God to salvation, it is also a revelation of the righteousness of God. Now, we come to the theme of the epistle where Paul says in verse 17, for in this gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written. 
the just shall live by faith. Let us spend a moment on this verse. The gospel is not a revelation primarily of the love of God. Now, I, I'm not denying the fact that the love of God is, is involved. You take the epistle of John, for example, in the first epistle of John, where you have the revelation of God to us, to his children. In the first chapter, verse 5, is the revelation that God is light, God is holy. In chapter 229 and also in chapter, the beginning of chapter 3, God is righteous. Everything he does is absolutely righteous. And then in chapter 4, verses 8 and 16 of that epistle of John, we have the revelation that God is love, and he demonstrates that love in sacrifice. But you see, the gospel really is a revelation of the righteousness of God. This is the great theme of Romans. And seven times in this epistle, he talks about the righteousness of God, a righteousness that is bestowed upon sinners who believe, a righteousness that avails with God. Now remember, there is just one righteousness in God's universe, and that's his own. Man doesn't have any. Isaiah 64, 6 informs us, our righteousnesses are in God's sight as filthy rags. You see, friend, for you or me to stand in the presence of God acceptable, we must not only have our sin questions settled and have eternal life, but we must stand before God righteous. And the gospel is a revelation of the righteousness of God. You see, today, men have so minimized the character of God that sin is no more sin. I'm living in a permissive society, so are you. Things we would have frowned on 25 years ago is just taken for granted today. You see, well, 25 years ago, the same sins were we're in society, but we kind of kept them under cover. Now, that may be true, but why did you keep them under cover? Because you had some estimate of the righteousness of God. But today, having lost the conception of the righteousness of God, that God is absolute in righteousness, the very essence of his character is holiness and righteousness. But having turned our back on that, ignored the character of God, we become permissive, and sin is no longer sin. The more we see the character of God, the more we see how awful sin is. And by the way, the more we appreciate his grace. I am very much tempted to say some things right here, just between you and me. I'm continually amazed at the boldness and the arrogancy even of so-called religious leaders who want our government to legalize the terrible sins of society. The, the filthy sins of society the very sins that brought the flood upon the world in Genesis. You remember 
chapter 7 and 8. The very sins that brought the fire of God upon Sodom and Gomorrah, the very sins that caused Israel to go into the Babylonian captivity, the very sins that caused God to bring judgment upon the race of Jews of the Israel in 70 AD when the Romans came and, and broke into their city and, and made it a heap of ruin, broke down the temple of God. And today, the great majority of Jews are scattered, they're still scattered among the face of the earth. But think of the centuries they've been under the judgment of God. Why? Because of the very sins that some ecclesiastical leaders in the so-called Christian church in America and other parts of the world are advocating. We're going right down the road, just like Sodom and Gomorrah, just like the old world before the flood, just like Israel before captivity. The gospel is a revelation of the righteousness of God. And I'm going to say it very bluntly. The less you and I see of the righteousness of God, the more and more we look down our nose upon sin as being nothing. Sin is no longer sin. And believe me, I tell you, anybody who preaches permissiveness in the place of morals today doesn't know much about the Savior, if anything at all. The very righteousness of God, friend, how are you and I going to stand before God? You know, I've had men say to me when I have presented the good news concerning Jesus Christ to them, I've heard them say, Mitchell, I'll take my chance with God. Will you? I'll tell you very frankly and very bluntly, if that's the stand you're going to take, you're going to take your chance with God. You're going to end in eternal night, eternal death an absolute eternal separation from God. And as the book of Jude says, in the, in the blackness of darkness forever. Listen. In Isaiah chapter 6, here's a man who was a courtier. Isaiah prophesied in the reign of three or four kings. Isaiah was a very, very brilliant man, one of the greatest prophets that Israel ever had. One cannot read the 66 chapters of Isaiah without realizing the kind of a man Isaiah was. But in chapter 6, I read that in the year that King Uzziah died, he was a good king, by the way, Isaiah saw the Lord. Now, what do you think happened to Isaiah when he saw the Lord? He cried out, Woe is me! I'm a man of unclean lips. I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the king. I'm glad that's not the end of the picture because, you remember, an, a messenger from heaven came and cleansed him of his sin. What did he say when he saw the Lord? Woe is me. Take this dear man Job in chapter 42 of, of Job. What I mentioned here in one of the other messages. Job was possibly, in fact, God said concerning Job in the first two chapters that he said to sin, have you seen my servant Job? He's a man who loves the truth and hates the evil. 
I would say that when God looked on the earth for a man to challenge Satan, he said, have you seen my servant Job? Possibly one of the best living men of his day. And yet when I come to the 42nd chapter, God revealed himself to Job. You remember in the 40th chapter, he said, I'm going to put my hand on my mouth. But when you come to the 42nd chapter, he cries out, I have heard of thee by the hearing of mine ears. Now mine eyes see thee. I abhor myself. Boy, he didn't say, I abhor some of the things I'm doing. I abhor myself. How did he get that way? He saw the Lord. God is righteous. You take dear old Peter, that commercial fisherman, and I'm quoting from the fifth chapter of the gospel through Luke. When the Lord had been preaching to the multitude, he said of Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And you remember Peter said to the Lord, we fished all night and we've caught nothing. And the nets are still dirty. The wrong time to fish, and so on. But nevertheless, said your word, I will let down the nets for a draft. And you know, they had a tremendous catch of fishes. I would like to have been there. <laughs> when I go fishing, which is once in a long, long while, I jenny catch what Peter caught that night. Nothing. Just had a good time getting out in the fresh air, which is very seldom. But when he saw the miraculous draft of fishes, do you know what Peter did? He fell down at the feet of Jesus and said, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a wicked man. Was he wicked because he got a draft of fishes? Of course not. He saw the Lord in his majesty. He saw the Lord in his power. He saw that his, the one he was following controlled nature, and he worshipped him. But he did say, Depart from me. I'm a wicked man. And if you want to get a real picture of yourself, just you look at Jesus. You don't want to know the kind of a man that God will accept? Just look at Jesus. But he did no sin. That's right. He always did the things that pleased the Father. He was the only one of whom God could say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Do you think he's pleased with you, with me? Brother, let's face up to it. We're sinners. And you and I have got to stand in the presence of a righteous God. And the gospel is a revelation. But where do you get the good news from? If God is righteous, where's the good news? The good news is that when you and I accept the Savior, Jesus Christ, he not only forgives us our sins, but he pronounces us righteous. As Paul could say to the Corinthian church, for of him are you in Christ Jesus, who in the wisdom of God has been made unto us righteousness. Ah, but you said a while ago there was only one righteousness. That's right. And that's divine righteousness. And that same righteousness of God is put to your account. That's why a Christian can come at any time in the presence of God and be acceptable because he stands in all the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about salvation. 
This is what happens when you and I accept the Savior. And he goes on to say in the verse, as it is written, or it's revealed from God from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Not from faith to works, from faith to faith. Not from faith to works. Let me get under your eye. John 1, 16, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, and it's grace upon grace. Faith to faith. The path is the path of faith. See, faith is the starting point, and faith is the course upon which we follow. It's confidence in another as opposed to self-confidence. The just shall live by faith. What do you mean? That's a life of continual trust. If you want a picture of that, would be Hebrews chapter 11. Now, the believer is justified by faith and is maintained by faith. Or if I were to put it this way, the righteous by faith shall live, and those who are only those who are righteous by faith shall live. You know, it's an amazing thing. This statement is used four times in the Bible. It's first of all used in the little prophet Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 4. And then it's used here in Romans 1, 17. And the emphasis in Romans is upon the righteousness of God. When you come to the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 11, the emphasis is on the just shall live by faith, the righteous by faith shall live. Now, when you come to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, the just shall live by faith, or those who are righteous by faith shall live. Romans emphasizes the righteousness of God. Galatians emphasizes faith. And Hebrews emphasizes the question of life. So you see, in this verse, verse 17, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the good news from God because in this good news is a revelation of the righteousness of God. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just, the righteous, by faith shall live. Or, as the King James Version says, the righteous shall live by faith. It's a life of continual trust. I'm saved by faith. I continue in faith. I continue to trust the Savior. I don't put my trust in the Savior to be saved from sin and from death and from hell, and then, and then I, I'm going to add my own works to that. Oh, no, oh, no. No place for man's works in salvation. As a Christian, my life ought to be changed and do good works. As Ephesians 2.10 says, he's appointed us unto good works, but that's for his people. But for those of you who have never accepted the Savior, and you want salvation, you want peace of heart and mind, you want eternal life, you want to be able to stand in the presence of a righteous, holy God. And my friend, it's for you to put your trust in Jesus Christ, God's Son. For he has vindicated, as we shall see in chapter 3, the very righteousness of God. I want you to read that first chapter of Romans again. We're going to go start verse 18 in our next lesson. And may the Lord make it very precious and very real to your heart.
Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.